Hey everyone, welcome to the Real Feel Podcast. This is Kelsey. I'm hosting today, you mm-hmm. know, and with me is my no. cohort, my... It's your mark? <laughs> no, no, no. My cohort, my partner in crime, mm-hmm. maybe best friend I haven't decided yet. Okay. I mean, I'm your only friend, but whatever. Yeah, but you know, you got to be a great friend to be like the best friend well actually no if i'm your only friend i'm your best friend by default (laughs) i'll take that um yes so um if you don't know where to find us we are on facebook twitter instagram and you can find us uh, email us at gmail Uh, they are all the real appeal um we would really love reviews on iTunes. Um, it will give us some notoriety because mm. we need that. Yeah, we're like at number four thousand on the charts. We want to get up to number one, three thousand and ninety-eight. No, number one. Why are you aiming so low? We because we you know you know we can't compete with this American life. Yeah, we can. Shit. Okay. We're Americans and we are alive. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll be the Ira Glass of film film podcasts. <laughs> okay. You do that. So, uh, what have you been doing lately? Uh, well, before we get into it, you want to tell everybody what we got planned for them today? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I totally forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing the news. We're doing Queen and Slim is our recent review. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Watchmen segment, we watch the Watchmen. And uh, we're doing Bonnie and Clyde as our geriatric cinematic. Yeah. Uh, the Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway semi-biopic of... Bonnie and Clyde, I guess. It's not even a biopic after reading. I read some stuff. We'll get into that later. Oh, the actual like facts of the yeah the couple. Um, yeah, so that's what we got planned today or for this week's episode. Um, but you know what? Hmm. Uh, instead of telling everybody what I've been up to, I think you have a story to tell. <laughs> Someone stole money out of my bank account. Mm-hmm. So there I was at work and I got an unexpected letter in the mail and it was thick and small. Okay. And I opened it and it was someone that I work with who works in another office uh-huh. who gave me like a $25 gift card saying, Hey, thanks for all your help this year. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Oh, that's so nice. And then like, I don't know, two hours later, Uh, I get a text message from Navy Federal Fraud Department. Okay. (laughs) And they're like, hey, did you spend $50 at Papa John's? I'm like, uh, no. So they said, okay, well, expect a phone call from us and answer it, please. Yeah. So I answered it. And I know it was them because I have their number saved and it came up with their name. Yeah, yeah. 
And they canceled my card. And then I left work early to go to the bank and get a new card. (laughs) And yeah. Well, the funny thing is they had tried to spend more than $200 at walmart.com. They tried to spend money at Pizza Hut. They tried to spend money at like other places. Mm. But I'm so fucking broke. (laughs) (laughs) They they got 50 bucks. And they got declined. 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 (laughs) Well, you know what? I think it was, you know who I think it is? I think I know who the culprit is. It was the person who gave you the $25 gift card. Yeah. He was like, hey, yo, I know you got some money issues. And you're like, how did you know that? You're like, oh, shit. That's <laughs> the phone call came up. I, I always think <clears throat> I've had something similar to that happen to me. Um, maybe like a couple of years back, um, I went to the store. I was, I, I, you know, was making a purchase and my card wasn't working. And I was thinking, well, like, okay, I mean, I know I had this much, so maybe something went through, you know, like automatic payment or something like Netflix, some shit like that. You know, you just kind of forget about those payments. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my account. I was like, no, all my money's there. Like, what the fuck happened? So I called up, um, I called up uh, my credit union, and they said, uh, well, did you make a purchase like at some steakhouse? Or did you make a purchase like at some like at a, I think like at a Best Buy, but they were like out of the state. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no. They and didn't tell me if they were out of the state or not. Normally they are. Um, I, I would I would have some I would surmise they were probably out of the state, but I thought it was funny because same thing happened to me. They tried making this purchase. These purchases? No, just got declined because I'm broke as fuck. That happened to me once before too. Oh, even before what happened today? Yeah, when I oh, was wow. when I was still married, uh-huh. and we always had like, look, if we had less than four hundred dollars in the account, we were freaking out. Like, what the fuck are we? Yeah, doing with you our had life? like you had a house, kids to take care of, mortgage, and everything like that. So yeah, you got to a point where you're just like, okay, money might be getting a little tight. Right. So, um, oh yeah, this was Pittsburgh. I <laughs> <laughs> see. Told you. <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I always think it's funny when it's like, my, I mean, my, there's been another time where like my credit union had, had uh, put a hold on my card mm. and it wasn't working. And I was like, oh man, did someone steal my card information again? I was like, kind of, I think you were with me when I was like, fuck, I think I might have my card stolen again or my card number. And when I called them on that, because this happened on a weekend, when I called them that phone on Monday, I was like, yeah, like, why can't I use my cart? And they were like, well, did you make this, this, this purchase? I'm like, yeah, that, that was me. Oh, yeah, we, th- we thought it was... We, oh, I remember was, that. Yeah, it was suspicious, so we canceled your car. I'm like, oh, all right, thanks, but you guys kind of fucked up my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but good on them, but good on them. I mean, they, 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 take, they take the precautions to yeah. make sure they, they, uh, people don't steal your money. But the thing that sucked, though, is mm. that other time that it happened... Mm. Um, like it was stolen people like in Florida were using it. Mm. But we I think we kind of realized when it was stolen and it was on Camp Pendleton. Like Oh, so so, so from it's the base? like yeah, so the base isn't even fucking That's fucked up. Yeah, they're not even immune from that shit. Yeah. Maybe it was like some cadet was like, Oh, I wanna go out for the weekend. Probably. Got a car number. I I I'm curious how they did that though, because you don't really I know you don't really make purchases online that often. You maybe buy some from Amazon, right? And that's about or it. Or Groupon. Yeah, or, well, maybe it was Groupon. Groupon's okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Wasn't that Groupon purchase just recent? 
like last week. Though. Oh, okay. And this and this, and this thing at Papa John's happened what, today, right? Yeah, it happened That's today. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. The um. The thing that's weird, though, is like they'll use like a magnetic strip, right? And they'll put it in like a card reader. Mm-hmm. So usually it's the gas station that gets you in trouble. Yeah. But I use Samsung Pay at the pump. So like that's supposed to be better because they actually mask your number. Oh, okay. They, they have like a, a virtual card instead of your regular card. Yeah, it's kind of like Apple. Apple so has it's the same linked. Thing. Yeah, so it's like... It shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. because it's only good for that one purchase and then they use a different one the next time. Yeah, I know Apple does that with Apple Pay. They assign your card to a particular number, but it's it's constantly changing. Yeah. So you'll make that purchase once and then even if you made the same purchase again or a few seconds later, it's a completely different number. Yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, it sucks. Uh, how much did they take out of your account? Like 50 bucks. Uh, you'll get that money back. Yeah. You know, they're, oh. su- they're supposed to give you that money. I have a dollar twenty nine in my account now. Woo! Dollar twenty nine. <laughs> you get that. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. Um, anything else going on this week? Nope. No. Nope. That was it. You you were my entertainment. <laughs> I was your entertainment. <laughs> yes, you saw me die on Saturday. What happened on Saturday? The movie. Oh uh, no! I'm so, <laughs> that was your entertainment. <laughs> no, no, I was referring to the credit, to the the to the card incident. We'll get into that though if you want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yes. When we get to our review for Queen, yeah, Queen we and Slim. Del. We will del. Yeah, I said we will del. <laughs> <laughs> we will del. We will dilly dally in it. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the news. Um, Planet of the Apes. It is in the works with Maze Runner filmmaker Wes Ball. This is what is this a this a another is this another sequel or is it like a a remake another remake? Uh, we're not actually sure. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, since Disney bought Fox, this is actually like the first major major franchise that was owned by Fox that Disney is apparently do. is taking over. Okay. Um. So no one's actually sure if it's going to be uh, like a continuation or mm. they're going to restart it. I don't know. I, okay. I, I, I love the Planet of the Apes film. I, like the, I love the originals, even though the quality declines with each uh, sequel. And I really enjoyed uh, the, the three recent remakes, except for that first one that had James Franco in it. Um, I did like the two that had that was directed by Matt Reeves, especially that last one. Um, that was a great ending to like the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of cool because they don't really even get into the whole sci-fi aspect of it, but it's still a it was still a great compelling story. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I've never seen the Maze Runner, so I don't know those dudes work. But at the same time, it's like it's if it's a remake, it's kind of too soon to be doing a remake of Planet of the Apes. You think so? Well, When's yeah. the last time the last one came out? I think the last one came out maybe like three years ago. Maybe three or four years ago. But like, come on. You want to do what? Like, I don't think it's too soon. I, uh, if it was only a year ago, it would be too soon. But four years or three years, I think is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm curious because you like the films. I 
don't really have a fondness for them, but I honestly need to probably re-experience them with you mm-hmm. uh, before I could make a judgment on like if it's going to be continue on. I would like to see continuation or a reboot. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, well, whatever. All right. Bigger stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Golden Globes. You know how they talk about cancel culture? Yeah. That just needs to be canceled. Uh, okay, why do you say that? Because every single year, it's the same fucking thing. And so this year, there the big controversy is that the Golden Globes shut out female filmmakers in four major film categories. Mm-hmm. And, and it's things like, I don't know, like Watchmen. A lot of the directors yeah, that, on that are female, and like you know, for each episode, mm-hmm. that's not been nominated. Um, yeah, and that sucks because like that is a really great show. Like it is. I mean, we talk about it every uh, every episode because it's so fucking good. Yeah, and we like to dissect it. And yeah, the Watchmen got snubbed. What what else got snubbed? Um. Well, probably a good thing, but what? Game of Thrones did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that final season? Um, Veep did, and it was on its final season. Now, I've seen a few episodes of Veep. Um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus has gotten numerous awards for that mm-hmm. role. and This will be the first year she doesn't. That sucks. That mm-hmm. really sucks. Because I, I heard the last the last season was a really great season. I don't, why? I don't, did they say? I mean, is it, is it, did they, they say, don't like, say why? why or anything. They're just like, you know. Mm-hmm. She's just not nominated. It's her last last season, and that's it. Wow. Um, I heard, and I heard that. Uh, well, yeah, I believe what um, when they see us, that got snubbed completely, right? Oh yeah. So that that fucking pisses me off. Uh-huh. That's another one of those shows that killed me, like. That first episode, and I never cry watching movies or watching shows. I never cry. I might get a little angry. Some Well, every once in a while, I'll get pissed. This actually had me crying, and I know you were sitting right there next to me, and I remember just like you actually were actively consoling me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that it, it definitely got the short end of the stick. I think because, um, I think it's because from, I mean, this is just speculation and everything, but the guy, the person, the guy who, whoever's head of the Golden Globes, they're really like old white men. Mm-hmm. And if you really think about it, this is kind of like a, I want to say it's a guilt trip movie, but it kind of is, I mean, sorry, show, but it kind of is because it really like shows how these these kids, these minority kids were really fucked over by it's, the system that's supposed to protect them. I disagree with you. What? It is not a guilt trip movie. Not like, well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not actively. It's not actively a guilt trip series. But I know there there are there are white people. Sorry, there are people who aren't minorities who will feel that they will feel that they're being pushed into some guilt area. More likely than not, uh-huh. it is a movie about black people that. Older white people cannot relate to. Not all older white people, obviously. Mm. But older white people cannot relate to 
black people and their struggles and whatever. Yeah. So they can't connect to the film. They don't understand why it is what it is. Or sometimes they just refuse to like read the facts and accept the facts as they are. Yeah. Like how, you know, this is us. It's been proven that these kids were wrongly. Oh, when they see us, not this uh, is us. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> completely different show. When they see us, when they see us, these kids have been wrongly accused of this heinous crime and was thrown in jail and even were proven innocent. I mean, one of the most famous white people to fucking ask for their head or demand their head on a spike is Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, he put out a, a big ad in the new, there's the motorcycle in the background, if you're wondering, <laughs> folks. Um, and he's gone. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> what are you going to say? Bye. Anyway, uh, Donald Trump did like this big splash on like the New York Post and like they need to bring back the death penalty and, you know, for these kids and all that kind of shit. Yet, yeah. Evidence have been proven, and the evidence have been stated. The facts are there. The they didn't do it yet. You know, fucking Cheeto man, Cheeto dick. You know, <laughs> it's still it's just like well, they beat the system. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus, I mean, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to cut you off. But plus, I mean, the show. I mean, the show was great. It, was, it is great. It was great. But what I'm saying too, and it's not even just older white people. I actually know someone who I'm related to, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to name names that systematically does not like black movies. They just, and it's not because it's annoying or he's like overtly racist or anything. Mm. He just doesn't see a relation to it whatsoever. He he just doesn't. He completely hated Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Hated it. And and I know there are other people who didn't like it, but. Yeah, but like, I take it he didn't even like see the cultural relevance it was or the importance of this movie. Yeah, he really just didn't. It went way over his head. Well, I mean, when and that's what I'm saying with this too. It's like, but if I can relate it to something else, Mm. when I was in twelfth grade, I was uh, I went to a trade school and for my senior year, Mm. and I went to pastry class, and the you know the the teacher. He was a a chef at the Hotel Hershey. He was like an executive pastry chef there. Mm -hmm. And um, then he came to teach us and everything. And he, um, one of the things that they always tried to teach you was like, if you're going to taste test something. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you actually like the food or not. You have to be able to taste things objectively. Yeah. To be a good chef. Yeah, to tell whether it's like like if you don't like spicy food, undercooked. Yeah. Not your fucking problem. You got to taste it. Yeah. Um, and I feel it's the same thing with films. So what the fuck are these guys doing if they don't understand the importance of these films? Like just because they they don't see its importance or whatever. I mean, of course. I'm speculating. I haven't had a conversation with them, but I mean, it could only be a handful of things of why these things are not nominated. Yeah, and I I had read that um, there were pretty much like no female directors that mm-hmm. were nominated. Um, what's her name? Uh, Geta, Greta Van Sant or whatever, the girl behind, sorry, the woman behind um, Lady Bird and Little Women, from which I hear is really good. Um, the woman behind uh, Honey Boy, the one that sh- the movie about Shia LaBeouf's upbringing, mm-hmm. um, they've been sn- they've been snubbed by the uh, by the Golden Globes. Yep, yeah. um, I actually heard that in the seventy seven year history, mm-hmm. only five 
women have ever been nominated for Best Director. Really? Yeah. Jesus. And there are like a lot of great female directors out there. Yeah, but you would never present. know it. And actually, I was 30 years old by the time I realized that there were female directors and that, and that they were any good. I remember, um, I don't know if I don't know if I introduced you to your first female director, but I remember um, you sat down. I you sat down and I, I showed you a uh, Point Break, and I went into the whole history of like why this film is important mm-hmm. and how um, I keep thinking Patty Jenkins. The name is escaping me right now, but how the director uh, she is like one of the like best female directors of an action film, and you're just like. Wait, what? Oh, K- Catherine Bigelow. There, Catherine Bigelow. And you're like, is she really good? And I remember you watched it. You like, you really, you really enjoyed that movie. And I was just like, that's a female director. You're yeah. Like, yeah, she was dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, like, like it sucks because like we're we're like the film the film industry is claiming to like oh we're really like pushing forward and pushing these like minorities and these uh these minorities and these women directors and actors and actresses and stuff like that we're trying to push them in the forefront and everything but when it comes to award ceremony it's just like nope you're not gonna recognize for your heart your hard work no exactly so that's poo poo yep um let's see yep when they see us oh yeah plus like so back to watchmen how the fuck is Regina King not nominated? Okay. Aside from that, mm-hmm. so you've got Watchmen and Game of Thrones not nominated. Okay. Succession and Big Little Lies were nominated. I wonder why. Exactly. I wonder why. Don't get me wrong. Succession is a dope-ass show. I really enjoy it. But all it really is is about rich white people with problems. Yeah. That's all it really is. And from what I heard, I haven't seen the second season of Big Little, Big Little Lies, but from what I heard, that second season is trash. Like, it is a serious problem with that second season. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't have the high pedigree that the first season had. Yeah. So, but yet, you know, and it, got, it got nominated. Euphoria is not even on this list at all. Yo! What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, if it's not if 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 Euphoria is not nominated for um, cinematography, for cinematography for the acting from Zendaya, and what's the name of the actress? The one, um, oh, the, the the one oh, Hunter. Her yeah. name is Hunter. Yeah, her the cinematography, the directing, like holy shit! How the fuck is that not nominated for yeah. at least technical for technical awards? Exactly. That is. Golden Globes is fucking up, man. That's what I'm saying. They should be canceled or reformed. <laughs> and they're not going to be reformed, so cancel it is. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, let's leave the world of sadness. And enter the more world of sadness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our recent review of Queen and Slim. Can I ask you something? What took you so long to respond to me? I sent you a very well-crafted message three weeks ago. And today, out of the blue, you hit me up asking if you want to grab dinner. What changed? I didn't feel like being alone. Not tonight. So you turned to Tinder. So what happens tonight? Did you think we were going to have sex? <laughs> no. I thought we were going to hang out, maybe get to know each other. Phil, let's get a turn signal back there. Go ahead and ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. 
Could you please hurry up? What did you say? It's just cold. Get back Why is he under arrest? Get back what is your badge number? Chill, just chill. I'm reaching for my cell phone. Now let's go. Cop The synopsis is a couple's first date takes an unexpected turn when a police officer pulls them over. Um, that is totally the most watered down fucking synopsis I think I've ever <laughs> ever seen in my life. Yeah. People get pulled over. Minorities get pulled over. Didn't even bad say, stuff happens. They didn't even say minorities at all. They're just like a couple's first date. Mm. Um, it's directed by Melina Matsukas. She is best known for B-Day Anthology video album, <laughs> which is Beyonce's, I think it's like a video that went along with her album that she released. Yeah, I would imagine. In 2007. Uh, and then she's also done two episodes for Master of None. That's a great show. Did you have you watched that show? Yeah, that's a great show. I think she did like the Thanksgiving episode, and then oh, I saw. I totally see that connection between her and the the person behind the uh, behind the script. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was written by Lena Lena Waithe. Mm-hmm. Lena Waithe. And Look James at me Frank. trying to help you. Well, I always want to pronounce the e on the end. Um. It stars Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Slim. Jody Turner-Smith plays Queen. Bookim Woodbine, uh, Uncle Earl. Chloe Savini, Mrs. Shepard. Flea, Mr. Shepard. Yeah, Flea from the, from the uh, uh, I'm going to say Rolling Stones. <laughs> from, uh, oh my God, Red Hot Chili Peppers. There you go. Yeah, okay. Don't know who he is. Oh, whatever. Sturgill Simpson, Police Officer Reed, India Moore, Goddess, and Jahi Diallo Winston Jr. Diallo Winston. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't really know where to begin with this one. Well, let's let's try to let's let's just try to be as vague as possible. Well, not as vague as possible, but let's let's try to do it without really spoiling. Yeah, no, no spoiling it until. Um, okay, so I'll go first. My God. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This movie, it's, it's good. It's, it's so good. It is so damn good. Like, like, okay, I'll, I'll start, I'll start with just the acting. The acting from Daniel Kaluuya and Jody Turner-Smith on fucking believable i've never i've seen daniel kaluuya's work in previous films obviously like the the film that really got him noticed was get out mm-hmm. and you know he's been popping up here and there i mean you know you guys can expect him in the barney movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this jody turner smith i've never seen her anywhere mm-hmm. and holy shit like i was fully engrossed by like their acting and their chemistry and the way how they were like comprehending and handling the, the severity of the situation yeah it was Absolutely amazing. And how they both of them grew. Oh yeah. Like oh. they were so you could see like a point where they're pretty much strangers. Yeah. You know, because it's their first date. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get to grow with them. Yeah, you really yeah. And the, and the and the actors did a great job of making you feel that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I'll say that without spoiling anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gotta pat myself on the back. I didn't oh say my anything. God. <laughs> um, I think the direction was really was really well put together, especially um, especially coming from uh, Melina uh, Masukas, who, like I said, she's only done a couple episodes of Master of None. Um, she did the Thanksgiving episode that really got uh, Leanna Waith, um, oh, sorry, Lena, Lena Waith um, noticed because she wrote that episode. And this director who just came on and just like did this film, like this, yo, this woman's got, she's got a career. She's, she made a very artistic style film in a, in a movie that is essentially, uh, the situation is like chaotic. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it was very mesmerizing. It was. To watch it. Like, who did the cinematography? Jesus, that, that person's got to get props on that. As well. <laughs> um, I like the pacing of the film, if we're going to talk about direction, because there are times where it's chaos, mm-hmm. and then the characters do something or put themselves in a situation where they want to take a breath. And they, yeah. it, you want to be in chaos, and you don't want to wait with the characters the same way they don't want, like one of them doesn't want to stop here, or the other one doesn't want to stop here. Um, you kind of want to be like, "What the fuck are you doing? You you still have to go, like keep going." Um, and so I think that that really speaks to Melina's talents as well because she makes you stop with them and get out of the chaos mindset and mm-hmm. really be with them and and like in whatever moment they're in yeah she's even able to like because you, you you are with you're with this couple for the entirety of the movie from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end you follow this couple there's like one small there's like one segment where it kind of breaks apart from them but it's intertwined between that set and between what's going on with the couple at the time and um as you're following Queen and Slim, you still have an idea of what's going on outside of their bubble mm-hmm. that they had to put themselves in. You get an idea of like what the actions that they've done, or that, or the actions of what Slim has done, and like how it's how it's essentially affecting the nation. Yeah. But without like doing like flashy news bulletins or like beating you over the head or anything, you get like little snippets of it but just enough to be like oh that's what's going on let's go back to that couple and see how they're handling that situation yeah so i mean you do see some news here and there but yeah but it's not it's not you to like force an expedition uh, expedition (laughs) an exposition you know it's just kind of be like oh yeah what happened that happened but that's not important it it gives you it's instead of telling you what happened it gives you the mindset of like how people are thinking about them. Yeah, I think, and I think that's really great how uh, how the director did it because even though like this situation, um, what leads up to them on the run. I mean, you guys have seen the trailer. Like a cop gets shot and the couple's involved, you know, but they're innocent. Um, that's kind of like. Not the cops getting shot, but like the whole cop pulling somebody over, and then next you know there's like a, a dead kid, or somebody who's unjust who's been shot like on the side of the road. We kind of got an idea of like this is that's this is kind of like an everyday thing now. Mm-hmm. So like the director doesn't have to like force you to like listen because the director already knows and uh, Lena Waithe already knows 
you guys have been watching the news, so we don't have to spoon feed you this shit. Right. Because you are smarter than people are giving you credit for. Yeah. And I think I think that's magnificent because a lot of writers and directors, they don't do that. They feel the need to like feed you like the information, even though you don't need it. It's like right there. Mm-hmm. So and the the cinematographer, his name is uh, Tad Radcliffe. He's done a bunch of stuff I've never even heard of. Hmm. Oh. Um, I think we should just get into the spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we got to <laughs> go, take a freaking deep dive into these spoilers. Okay. We'll be right back. All right, go. I, I talked I talk most of the time. You go. I feel like this is going to be like a therapy session for me. Okay. Do, you, do I have to uh, get that couch and lay you down and, with my notepad and everything? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I really like about the beginning of this, this film, mm-hmm. he seems kind of like an idiot. Oh, uh, Slim, right? Slim does. Yeah. And Queen is very like material she has so many walls up she seems kind of materialistic mm-hmm. seems like she's looking down at everybody yeah she's a lawyer she because fo- she's she's had a she had a, a rough life to get where she's at yeah which yeah. we don't know that in the beginning oh yeah mm-hmm. we don't know that and um i think it's interesting how they transition into who they are towards the end mm. and how they meet in the middle because they both kind of want the same things. Mm. So they're learning how to compromise their beliefs for, for each other. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting how there was one scene in particular where he, uh, where Slim and her were arguing, they were eating, mm. uh, they were having like probably their first meal since they got, into trouble and um yeah the when they're in the back of the truck right eating burgers yeah Mm. and she uh he asked her something about i don't know what he asked her but her answer was oh he asked her are you a good lawyer and she goes i'm an excellent lawyer Mm. and he's like why do black people feel the, the need to constantly be excellent at everything yeah yeah like don't get me wrong. I'm all for black excellence, but at some time you just gotta kind of be like, "Yeah, I'm good at it." Like I don't have to like shout it on top of the mountains. Yeah, you know, and I can I can get that. I mean, I like being the best of what I can do, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not like I'm excellent because <laughs> I'm always like I can always improve. I can always be better. Right. So I thought that was um, really interesting because I get it. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm white, but um, I, I kind of get the mentality behind behind what she was saying and what he was saying, mm-hmm. you know, especially after finally seeing how she grew up, mm. she needed to make, like feel excellent herself. Yeah, like She yeah. needed to change herself from trash to excellence because that's she just needed to go there like she couldn't stay where she was yeah she could never be she could never have a in a way she can never have like a moment of weakness um because she had this hardship like her mother uh, and we're in the spoiler section but like her mother was killed 
by her uncle. You know, it was an accident, but it was like a real turning point in her life. And he was actually her first... Um, her first case. Her first case, yeah, yeah, right out of law school. And um, she defended him mm-hmm. and got him off of got him out of prison and slim didn't understand how she could do this yeah you know i'm kind of like that i'm kind of on slim's side because i mean i mean i you know i for for the audience for all of you who don't know i i'm i'm not 100 black but i'm half black i was raised in a black home so you know my but my mentality more falls into black culture and in my family Yo, if like you killed another family member, like that's it, your ass is gone, like just mm-hmm. straight up. Yeah. So that's what kind of like kind of bothered me a little bit. I was like, like, did she really have to do that? Did they really have to go that route to explain like her mother's death? Like, I feel like they could have got another way around it, but it's it seemed a little, I don't know, it seemed like a little too far fetched for me. It did. I think they were trying to be a little different. Where I don't know, the only the more. I guess the low-hanging fruit in a situation would that like that would be mm. he was in a gang or something. Yeah. She got killed accidentally when there was an altercation. Yeah. You know, or, you know, different things like that. Mm. Um, but they could have made it like, I don't know, drunk driving or like an accident in the snow or something. Yeah. Something like that. You know. Uh, or an accidental discharge of a, a weapon, even. Yeah, there could have been like because not even that they were having an altercation at all. Yeah, they, there's multiple ways they could have taken it, and they didn't. But I mean, it doesn't really take that much away from the film. That's like that's like a one of one of small very, potatoes. Yeah, one of the very small, very very small minor hiccups that comes to the film, but doesn't really detach you away from what's going on because the story it's it's bigger. It's much bigger. Yeah. It, like, that part isn't very big, but what's more interesting is her uncle and how he lives and how she was actually very familiar with that life. Yeah, because the uncle's a pimp, but he's not like, they don't really paint him as a, what, Hollywood would consider stereotypical, stereotypical pimp, where he's like backhanding women and everything like that. You can tell he's, he's a bulking woodbine. Um, he's been acting for years. He's like a legit actor and everything. He's done a bit, a bit of comedy, but he has like a, that straight, straight man comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing him in there was, it, it was actually really good to see him. But they didn't, they didn't really give you a reason to, for him to have like a savage nature or anything like that. Like there is one part where he does get in a fight with one of his ho- one of his many hoes. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the hoes like, "Bitch, you touch me," and then like they get into a fight. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool, like. We got, a little, we got a little bit of even ground here. Yeah. Not only that, but you get a sense that they real like, at least the the girl who plays goddess Yeah. actually really loves him. And yeah, like, I really liked her. I really dude, liked her. I have a fucking crush on her. Oh, damn. Like a huge crush on yeah, her. Yeah, I think hot. <laughs> I think I've seen her before. Mm. I don't know where. Um... But I definitely had a crush on her, and it, it seemed like she was like his conscience, you know, like okay, you should help her. Yeah. What about the blue car? And he's like, No, I'm not gonna give her my blue car, you know. Mm. And he's like, Anyways, it's not blue; it's like aqua or, or turquoise or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. 
So it was really interesting to see where she came from. And then uh, she even had to change her hair, which she was kind of like... Because, <sighs> you know, she she was wearing, like, the braids and um, she didn't... Queen was saying. Oh, Queen, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 She was yeah. wearing the braids. Mm-hmm. And then there, her uncle told her she had to take them out. And she was ended up with the really short hair. Mm-hmm. And someone asked her... Oh, uh... Slim asked her if she liked it, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I don't know yet." <laughs> she looked, she looked way better without the braids she on. She did. She looked good. That girl looked good. Um, one thing that I was really digging on, it, and you and I were kind of, you and I were agreeing, we we're kind of going back and forth in the discussion, but like the many perspectives that happens within the film, um, like they get a perspective of. Uh, you know, Slim kills this cop, and they get a perspective of one guy who thinks, "Oh, we're starting a revolution." You know, mm-hmm. these cops are going down, and then we got a perspective from like a kid who's like, "You guys are heroes," and then we got another perspective from like uh, from the white uh, what's her name, Chloe Savini, uh, who's just like, "Do you guys like order these cops to be killed now?" You know, because we're getting different perspectives oh, of yeah. like of every we're getting a perspective from everybody what they're seeing from the outside. And I thought that was really good, really brilliant. Yeah. You know, that's another case of when they don't hammer it into you. They just kind of give you the information and the audience is like, yeah, I've heard multiple perspectives of someone being killed by a cop. Exactly. Um, I don't. <laughs> oh, I did want to bring up about their um, their sex scene. Okay. And I know there it's like stereotype stereotyped that like anytime most white people think about black people having sex, it's always filthy. Mm-hmm. Not that they're necessarily doing anything like what they're doing is filthy, but it just in general is dirty. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sit right with them. Right. And um I'm glad to see that it like that like it was love. It was totally, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It was, like, what you would want to see f- between two people who really cared about each other. They didn't even know at that time that they loved each other yet, but they were growing really close. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time they were together. So um, it was just really nice to see that they, you know, they they could do that and not, and it wasn't dirty. Yeah, and they made it... Um they made it realistic. I mean, I know you're saying like, oh, it was love. It was love, but it was still realistic. Like these were two people having sex and it wasn't like crazy, passionate in the heat of the moment. It was just like, no, like they really, they really wanted this. And it was, it was very passionate, but at some, at certain times it was just like, no, this, people have, this is how people really have sex. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't done dirty. It wasn't, it didn't look nasty or anything like that. It looked... It looked, you know what? It looked normal. <laughs> it, it looked, looked normal. Normal. Like <laughs> the most realistic, like, yo, this is sex, but this is like people who actually care about each other's sex. Not like no hate fuckhead, not like no lust or anything. It was just like, no, no, just people. Not just like the guy being all deep voiced, like, hey, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, baby. Like to share. I don't know why he talks like that. Um, I, I thought that, that, love scene was actually kind of interesting because they were interconnecting it with like a protest mm-hmm. um, between like the cops 
and these people who were protesting for Queen Slim's rights. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who were in the protest was a kid that they encountered. And this kid is like, yo, you guys are like heroes and stuff. And then what ends up happening later during the protest is that the kid ends up killing a cop. Now, that did kind of bother me when I saw it. Because I was mm -hmm. like, yo, like, did they have to do that? Especially, like, it's a black cop. I was like, come on, do they really have to fucking do that? Mm. But after thinking about it, I got what they, what the director was getting at. Because mm -hmm. it was like, as, like, they're having sex, the protest is going on. So it's like, it's like love and hate and then, like, life and death. Like, going on simultaneously. Yeah, I wa when I was watching it, it seemed almost disrespectful. For real? For the protesters. Okay. Because they're in the car having sex, and then there's this protest, and this kid that they were just with mm -hmm. killing a fucking cop. Okay. While they're off fucking gallivanting. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, like, after, th you know, after thinking about it a little bit, um... I'm not going to be as literal as you, but I felt like it was more symbolic, like, mm -hmm. like they're on this journey together. And even though all of this stuff is happening outside of them, mm -hmm. when they're with each other, mm -hmm. nothing else exists. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Even, so. yeah. even like the way it was shot, it was shot in the confines of the car they were in. Mm -hmm. The only time that it was like out of the car is when like the camera had to be out for like a, uh, like a what's the angle like a side like a wider shot mm -hmm. which makes sense but still like it was in the confines of the car because it made you it added more level of intimacy but of a level of uh being closed off around uh, uh, closed off from the world to be like let's just enjoy this well, it's moment. also vulnerability because all the doors are open oh yeah absolutely yeah someone could just crept and be like yo stop that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you nasty <laughs> you're in a cemetery <laughs> they were were they yeah I thought they were like in some like. No, they had just pulled. They were off the road a little bit. They were like in the cemetery. I thought they like just pulled off in like some like no, dirt road all, or some shit. Yeah, no, it was a cemetery. Gotcha. Um, uh, but yeah, um, definitely it was vulnerability, and they mm. were in that world together. Mm. And then they never, they never really owned that whole. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, Black Power and mm -hmm. all these things trying to liken them to Black Panthers and stuff. And they're like, no, that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense for them to be all worried about what that little kid is doing anyway when mm -hmm. they're just trying to fucking survive. Yeah, I mean, they it, it, the news of the kid killing the cop does come back to them and they were just like, holy shit, like, no, we did not want that at all. Yeah. Um. What was uh? There was one thing that I really liked about it. Um, that kid's dad did not agree with them at all. Yeah, and this goes into like the different perspectives that I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. You want to elaborate? <laughs> oh, um, the uh, their father, his father, like they needed their car fixed because the radiator went out. So they're mm -hmm. like, "Oh, we need a mechanic." So mm -hmm. they take it to the shop where that kid actually lives. They didn't know him. Mm -hmm. And the mechanic is, like, a black guy, and he's like, oh, it's going to cost, like, $2,000. Yeah, like, two grand for that. And they're like, no, we need it, like, today. He's like, well, I can get it to you tomorrow. And they're like, no, I need it today. He's like, it's going to cost you extra. Yeah. They're like, 
come on like you know we really need the car he's like i know who you are he's like well then why don't you give us a discount he's like because i don't agree with what the fuck you're doing yeah you're causing problems for all these other black people who like go by the rules and shit yeah yeah so and i've heard that multiple times in discussions oh they just pulled over just you know did what the cop told them to do no problem would happen you know nothing would happen but yet there's like there's but you have a right to speak your mind and she was a lawyer yeah yeah so she knew the law it wasn't anything about disrespect it was you're wrong yeah even like the parts where even at the beginning of the the, the beginning of the movie when the whole incident happened she's like what's your badge num- what's your badge number like you have no right to do this and there's even the part where like she reaches for her phone and she tells him i'm reaching for my cell phone because i have every right to record this and the cop just blah, 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 and then shoots fires. her yeah shoots her some bullshit man yeah uh oh now i remember this is what i wanted to bring up i really like the fact that the only person that actually did die at the hands of queen slim was the cop at the beginning yeah and that was an accident um, there, there has been a lot of comparison with this film and the geriatric cinematic that we're going to do later on, the Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. And I get that because they're lovers on the run, but where Bonnie and Clyde was this brutality and murder, these people were like, no, we're innocent. We want to get the fuck out of here. And like nobody else died by them. Exactly. And I, and I thought that was great because that helped me, that helped you, that helped the audience like really focus on these people and their innocence. Yeah. They weren't painted as, like, some savages, which they weren't. No, they weren't. Um, there was something else I was going to say, and I don't remember what it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, I actually, I want to talk to you about the ending. Okay. We got to talk about the ending. <sighs> okay. When I saw the ending, I was pissed. You were pissed? <laughs> I was fucking mad. Because Queen and Slim, they 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 decide that we gotta run away we gotta run away and we gotta get to Cuba. And they go through all these steps to eventually meet somebody who can get them on a plane to Cuba. They're on the tarmac, they're walking to the plane, and the fucking cops show up. And I was like, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie. I don't fucking like it now. Because <laughs> And that goes into the, the, the directing and the writing. I was so invested in these fucking characters. I was like, mm. I want them to live. Please let them live. Like, you didn't think they were going to get that far. Exactly. Cause so once they got that far, you're just like, come on. like. Yeah. And there were several times in the movie where like, holy shit, they're going to get caught. Like, this is it. There's even a part where like, they have to hide in a house like slaves. Like yeah. how slaves did. And uh-huh. I think... Uh, I think I think the place the house was in Georgia as well. I think yeah, it so, was. So I had to be like an actual slave owned home. Mm-hmm. I'm not slave owned. Uh, uh, the homeowner were probably like slave owners, or they helped. Or the slaves. Underground Railroad. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like they were hiding like fucking literal slaves, but they they fucking beat the odds. You know, there's that one black cop that like helps them. He's like, yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. They get to that plane, and it's this moment where. Oh, man. They don't... It's so fucked up. I might I might start fucking bawling now thinking about it. Because Queen and Slim, they're like... The cops are like, you know, put your hands up, get on the ground, blah, 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 blah. And, like, Queen looks at Slim and 
No, he's, Slim said something first, and he's like, "I would have kissed all of your scars." Yeah, yeah. They go into like I would have. Yeah, they go into like metaphors of like you know I have all, you know someone has all the scars, you should be able to kiss them and love them, and then like nurse these scars and want to be with them. All the you know they really get into the whole like minutia of like the importance of like relationship and being mm-hmm. in love. And yeah, he tells her, you know, I would have kissed all your scars. And she's like, I didn't know you would have. Yeah, and then she goes, "Can I be your legacy?" And that was like Slim's thing. He was like, he's like. I just want to know. I just want to be. I just want to be remembered fondly. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, you know, near the end, can I be your legacy? I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh man! And then what happens? Blam! She gets shot. That's when I started crying. I think you jumped. I think we both jumped. Yeah, I that. jumped hard. And then like, he looked at her with some desperation of, I want you to know that I love you. Mm. And he's like. You already are, and it's, he no, he barely got that last word out, and they shot her. <sighs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, and then I was so like, that was the end of it for me. I, <laughs> I'm sure you could tell that I was like unsuccessfully trying not to cry. I don't know because I was starting to cry. Really? <laughs> I was like, fuck this movie. That's why I was so mad. And um, he like picks up her body, and he's just like, he like walking towards the cops. And they fucking shoot his ass down. I was just like, man, fuck this movie. Yeah. God damn it, I wanted him to survive. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, armed and dangerous. And they didn't have it, like in the media after. Yeah. And they were doing that montage and they're like, oh yeah, they, you know, the two suspects were apprehended, they were going to be apprehended or whatever at the airport. But they were sh- shot down because they were considered armed and dangerous. Yeah, even though they, they didn't, didn't have, a, have any fucking weapons. They didn't have a gun at all. They had that one gun, and I think like they tossed it or something like that. I don't exactly remember what happened to the gun, but the gun was gone. Yeah. And like they do this, they do this montage where it shows the people that they affected, like uh, Slim's parents, uh, Queen's uncle, um, even like the mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the. Uh, the the white couple that helped him, and then there's this one dude. Um, his name is escaping me right now, but he's the one who was he was like the last one who was suppo- who was supposed to help him. Yeah. Um, the dude's name is escaping me right now, but like they showed him like just kind of counting cash as yeah. the news reporter come out. Now you think that there was like a two hundred fifty? No, there was a five hundred thousand dollar reward for their capture. Now you think that he's the one who dimed him out. Yeah. Um, can you elaborate why you think that? For the audience's purpose sake. I just think it's symbolic, right? Because they, they kind of want you to figure out who it is, I think. Mm. And they show, they show the white couple first because I think they want you to assume that it's probably them and they want to show you the reaction. Yeah. And they both were surprised. Uh, the actor's name is uh, Bertrand E. Boyd II. That's the actor who played the uh, who played the the guy who supposedly dimed him out. Mm. His his name is Black Man. <laughs> Black Man. Black Man. Um. Yeah. So they um, I think they want you to know that it's not the white people. They were both surprised mm-hmm. by what happened. Yeah. Um. Well, I that's the thing. I don't. I can see, I can see that why people would think he's dimed, he, they dimed him out because they showed him with all that cash, but I still got a sense that like, it was just because like 
they it was going through the montage of these people that they affected and the news report and I just took it as like this dude is counting his cash like oh they died whatever and just keeps counting his cash like no like no harm no foul I'm just gonna keep counting my money that's how I took it but it it also can say like how this uh, this moment should be affecting him I don't think it makes any sense for him to be counting money at that time well he was a he was a dealer yeah but that's kind of I don't know I mm-hmm. would. That's not how I would direct that. Mm-hmm. Like, he could be making deals then instead of counting his cash. Yeah. When they made a point to tell you that they're two hundred fifty thousand dollars ahead. You know what? Now I think about it. It probably was him because it, I now I'm replaying the scene. That money looked pretty fresh. Uh, yeah, it did. And then not just that, but he made two phone calls. He was talking to somebody on the other end and trying to set up for the next day. Mm-hmm. Then he called somebody else, and I want to watch it again just to watch that conversation um, because I feel like that second conversation was him telling the cops, like, look, they really want to go right now. Oh, like, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, maybe he had, uh, maybe he had called, like, maybe he had called the cops uh, beforehand mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, I got to play for you, but, like, you can be ready, like, in an hour, like, later on the day or tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like, pretty much, like, I'm giving the cops enough time to set everything up. Yeah. And then he called a second time, like, oh, yeah, okay, he said he'll be ready for an hour. Right. Oh, okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. Man, fuck that fool. Huh? God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> fuck that fool. Shit. I think this film is super fair mm-hmm. in the fact that black people and white people are just as fucked up as each other. Mm-hmm. And even though white people are the reason why black people have so many fucking issues. Yeah. There are some black people who do not help the situation at all because they just want to do whatever they can to survive. Yeah, those are called crab-in-a-barrel crab niggas. Yeah. You know what that means? No. For those who don't know, a crab-in-a-barrel nigga. Think of it. You're in a barrel. Oh, no, you're in a barrel. Crabs are in a barrel, right? Mm-hmm. And there, if there's one crab trying to claw, climb out, that other crab will pull that crab down trying to pull themselves out mm. but it doesn't get anywhere it just they it makes them stuck in the barrel so they're yeah. going crap so it's pretty much people who are black folks who are trying to keep other black folks down because they're down yeah so that's you know a little yeah. bit of you know, a little bit of black information for you <laughs> uh but yeah um i mean i <laughs> i mean because it was a white cop that did that shit to them in the first place but then there's that white couple who helped them and then yeah. you know you've got the uncle, who's kind of a shitty character, you mm-hmm. know, a shitty guy, but he's also, like, he loves his niece. Yeah, he will do everything to he help her. He wants to help her. And um, even, even the mechanic is like, yeah, I don't agree with you guys, but I'm going to stay out of it. Like, yeah, you and, know. Yeah, my business and shit. Yeah. I even like that part where um, they, go, they go to that bar. Like, Slim pulls over, and he's like, he... He pulls over and like Queen wakes up and she's like, where are we? He's like, we're going to go dance. And she's like panicking, like, no, we need to go now. Because he goes like, no, no, no. And they even like he even plays with her a little bit because he's kind of like, what would have been our second date? She's <laughs> like, no, nah, we wouldn't have had a second date. Which I was just like, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> but I like that because we got we get an idea of like what their second date might have been like. Right. If things have gone better. Yeah. So I, I was glad they, they had that because that was like a moment of like, that was a moment to be like, hey, remember these were people who were trying to find one another 
Yeah. So let's just put him in an actual situation of what would have happened. Yeah. So I thought that I thought that was cool. It was cool. Um, it was nice to see them dancing. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny. I was I was more worried about damn. They had a drink and they're gonna get behind the wheel again. Oh my god. <laughs> Like, I was really worried for them. You know, not you, not only were you worried that they might get stopped by the cops for murdering somebody, they might have been drunk and behind the wheel. Wow. No, not that they were, like, bad for it. Just, uh, like, I don't want you to get in trouble again. Like, get pulled over. Oh, like, over. swear. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny. Um, we were in this, uh, Kelsey and I are in this group called the uh, Black on Black Cinema group and on Facebook. It's a really great, great group. Just a watch and hang out with and everything and uh, i pointed uh, like someone had pointed out about like how queen had like messed with slim's playlist and was like quizzing him on it like you don't yeah. know this but you know this and i don't know if i said it or someone else said it but they were like damn if they didn't me- if she didn't mess with his playlist this would have never had happened <laughs> i think somebody else said that yeah so i mean but it happened we got a story otherwise we wouldn't have had this movie yeah <laughs> Um. So yeah, I, like I said, I was I was upset at the ending when it happened, but after thinking about it later, I think if they did have an ending where they did survive, it would have been kind of corny. It would have been corny, and it wouldn't have been as important. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been as important because after they died, like you see, uh, t-shirts of them, you see murals uh, of murals, murals, yeah, murals, murals of the couple, and I have to give credit to that picture that they took it's it's on the movie poster but it that picture is kind of like the bonnie and clyde type type deal mm-hmm. but and it was and it's iconic yeah it's iconic yeah but it was like artfully done it was well done yeah um i saw somewhere there was another comparison to that picture to like another black couple like i couldn't remember uh what's the couple's name like mm-hmm. a real couple so yeah it was a great film yeah definitely um, check it out it actually had me so sad that i that Mark drove. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't drive home. And, like, I was fucked up for at least two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark's like, no more sad movies for you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, let's just all watch happy movies. <laughs> and then we watch Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's get into something a little fun. We are going to do our We Watch the Watchmen segment. Um, episode eight. It is called a God walks into a bar. I have a theory about that, but let's just talk about the show right now. <laughs> I thought about it too. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason. Well, let's 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 talk about the show. Let's talk about how awesome. This episode was. It is uh, directed by Nicole Castle, written by Damon Lindelof, Alman, Alman, <laughs> Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons. The graphic, the graphic artist. Yeah, the graphic mm. novel people. Mm. Uh, stars Regina King as Angela Abar, Sister Knight, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, Cal Abar. This cute ass booty. Also, Doctor Manhattan. <gasps> Spoilers. What? <laughs> oh, I was joking. You scared me. What? 
Did I say something I shouldn't say? Yeah, you say you talked to Manhattan. You gave it up. <gasps> oh, my God. It's on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, come on. Come on, folks. Like, if you're on Facebook or on Twitter, you that's what everybody's talking about, like, the next day. Everybody was <laughs> fucking talking about this episode. Um, Tom Misson as Mr. Phillips. Sarah Vickers as Miss Crookshanks. Crookshanks. Louis Gossett Jr. as Will Reeves slash Hood of Justice. <laughs> like I said, Hood of Justice. <laughs> Jeremy Irons as Adrian Vite. Yes, Ozzy Mendez himself. Uh, and I think it's very interesting mm-hmm. that they chose, like, not only did they choose Dr. Manhattan is going to be black guy like mm. cal mm. but then when he turns back into dr manhattan mm. he's a black guy yeah he still have cal's facial facial features and everything his whole body features like yeah like the perfect man features yeah of course you know with the little booty <laughs> and the muscularness um i thought this episode was great because this it's just two reasons why i thought it was great one well written perfectly executed but I also thought it was great because it finally answered your fucking questions about Angela Abar. Yeah. You're just like, what? Like, what is up with this woman? I need to know. Well, now you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot. I think I've said that a lot, like too many times already. I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to retire that, I think. Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Ah. Amazing. Um, you already know about her past yeah. with her family. Then you get to see how her and Cal kind of met. Yeah, their whole encounter. I think that, that I thought that dialogue was really excellent between her and Doctor Manhattan because she was like almost at his level. She what? Well, first of all, you know that people who have been through trauma mm-hmm. either dummy themselves down to the point where they don't feel anything at all, mm. or they become really. Like, almost too smart for their own good. Mm, gotcha. And because it's like a defense, and it's how they keep bad things away. They see the bullshit in everything. Okay. So, he walks up to her, and she's like, what the fuck? Like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, like, even Dr. Dr. Manhattan's like, I'm Dr. Manhattan. Even though he's like, he has the blue skin, but he's wearing the mask. And he's like, I'm Dr. Manhattan. And she's like, whatever. I know you're not Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, you're going to wash that blue paint off. Yeah. You know, you're just a regular guy. Yeah. And, like, the conversation between them is, like, they, it's playful. He's like, you're going to go on. Like, he's pretty much starts the conversation of, like, you're going to go on a date with me tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's just like, you don't know shit. And then they just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And, like, Dr. Manhattan's, not his creation, but what he's been doing for, like, these past, like, what, 50 years or something like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, she was like, um, I'm sorry, like thirty. I think thirty years, thirty-five years, or something like that. It was fifty years. No, it was fifty years from when he died to. No, I'm talking about after the events of in 1980. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. the because I remember. Yeah, where where have you been? Yeah. Haven't you been on Mars? And he said no. Yeah, I've been on Europa. I've which, been here on Europa. That's right. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you've been on Europa, and I was like, got it, got it, got it. Uh, okay, go. On. Um. What did he say about on Mars? Wasn't it like some kind of decoy up there? Yeah, it was like a, a recording that um, that the, like the U.S. got of him, mm-hmm. and they were just putting it on constant loop. Mm. You know, and he was just like, "I haven't been on Mars. I was there like 
pretty much practicing my shit. I've been on Europa creating life. Yeah. And so he goes through because there was that one episode where Adrian Vite is taking like babies out of the fucking water. Yeah, they and go then, into details about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is really fucking weird. Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And now you know because Dr. Manhattan made a whole new life. Yeah, he essentially created like, a world. Life, yeah, and he created like life through his water, like like almost like the primordial ooze. Yeah. So we we finally find out where uh, what's it called, Crook, Miss uh, Miss Crookshanks and uh, Miss Crookshanks and Mister Phillips come from. Mm-hmm. Which I thought that was I okay. I had thought that it was just a create a people he just created. I thought it was really dope how those people he created their likeness is from people in his past. Mm-hmm. And it almost was kind of sad that we got to lo- lo- know more about them because their clones are essentially constantly being murdered by Adrian Veidt. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad because like these were like good people. And how Dr. Manhattan, when he was John Osterman as a child, he like knew what love was or, or what creation was. And it was when he saw this couple like about to have sex. Mm-hmm. And... You know, they talked to him about it, and they're like, well, when people are in love, when they want to create life, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, like, modeled Adam and Eve out of these two people. Right. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool, too. Um, and it was, I like the line where he's like, you know, I made uh, Adam and Eve, but I didn't make their likenesses of, after me, I made their likenesses of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically he was saying like yeah that's my adam and eve yeah um yeah he even like essentially creates the garden of eden yeah um and he makes that he teleports that (laughs) what well because angela avar she's like so let me guess you did this for six days and then on the the seventh day you rested he's like no, this all happens in under 90 seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, typical of a man. He's like, what do you mean? Creating life after two minutes. He go- and he goes, sex joke. Good, good. <laughs> I was like, that was good. That was dope. That was a good ass joke. Um, so, yeah, we, um, so the, we get an understanding of why Cal is Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And... I thought one of the things that I really liked about this episode is how uh, Damien Lindelof, he really played with Dr. Manhattan's view of time. Um, that's been kind of like the staple in the Watchmen comics. Mm-hmm. And how he is, how Dr. Manhattan is living th- through every piece of his life through time at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's also it comes off as some at some point it comes off kind of tragic because when he's Cal, but he hasn't when he's Doctor Manhattan wearing the human skin, mm-hmm. he tells you know Angela's like when was the last time you sensed fear or you knew fear, and he's like it's 1959 I'm in the machine I'm my atoms are being split, but he doesn't say like that's when I last time I felt fear he's saying that like I'm seeing it now I'm constantly living it. Mm-hmm. And that's really fucked up because that means he's always in that perpetual state of fear. Right. Even though he doesn't show it. Then also he um, says about how he loves her. And Mm -hmm. she's like, how could you even know that you love me? 
and he's like, I always have. And then she's like, well, there's not a moment where you knew that you were in love with me. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, there's no moment. I just always have loved you. There's no before. Yeah. I don't know what before means. Yeah. And he, it, he later says that that moment eventually does pop up. He's like, this is the moment where I loved you. That is such a Lindelof trick. He does stuff where it's like the most inopportune, improper, sorry, improper time to admit your love. He like does it, but he does it so, so fucking well. It was tragic though for that. That, that's the moment he realizes that he's in love with her, mm-hmm. and she's like, "That's great. We've been together for ten fucking years now, and that's the moment you decide you love me. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you knew you love me. When I'm about to fucking lose you. Like, and we've been together for ten years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but." I mean, technically, he's like time is relative, so technically, he has been in love with her the entire time. Yeah, he just he just more pronounced it at that particular time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and yeah, so we're going back and forth. Like, oh, and this I thought was I really liked. I'm so glad they did this. Doctor Manhattan sees Adrian fight again, and I wanted to see that confrontation between them happening again. Oh, I was hoping they did it, and they did it this episode where Adrian where. Dr. Manhattan goes to Adrian Veidt and says, pretty much asks for his help. Like, I want to be human again. Can mm-hmm. you help me? And Adrian Veidt's like, well, I knew you'd come back. Yeah. He's like, you're already human, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he even makes, that's so funny. Adrian Veidt even makes like a cultural appropriation joke. Yeah. He's like, whoa, I mean, this is yeah, clearly like, cultural appropriation. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, like interesting moment. choice. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? And he's like, well, I mean, it is 2009. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> cultural appropriation is uh you can't do things like you did back then. You, yeah. <laughs> I thought that part was so great. Um so there was one thing I noticed that I thought was super cool. In the comic when um where Adrian Byte is revealing his master plan and everything, and then uh Rorschach and Night Owl are like we can't let you ha- do this. And he goes, like, let me. Like, I'm not a comic book villain. You know, I triggered a device. I triggered the device, the teleportation, 35 minutes ago. And here, he says that again. Mm-hmm. Where he were, like he tells Dr. Manhattan, oh, I figured out a way. I already know how to make you human. You know, there was plan B, which was to split your atoms. But this was actually plan A. And it's this device is going to help you. For- that's going to make you forget. And he's like, well, how soon can you make this? He goes, I made it 30 years ago. <laughs> it's like, but like, like I either, either Agent Vite is psychic himself or some time reader as well, or he's just that fucking smart. I think they're playing with that. He's just that smart. Yeah. Because they did the same thing with Senator Keene with that video too of uh, oh, for Robert, Robert Redford. Redford. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. And that came off a little uh, pre- Precognitive sight, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um. You were talking about how Lindelof used Doctor Manhattan and his relative time. Oh. Okay. I've always liked Lindelof's Lindelof's writing. Um, huge fan of Lost. God, that's such a great show. Um. I never really gave uh, The Leftovers a good chance. I gave it like a season and then stopped watching it. I just fell out of it. But he's he when he's when he's in his realm, he can write. And he does this 
so great where he essentially makes Dr. Manhattan the telephone between Angela Abar and her and her grandfather where where Dr. Manhattan goes to Will Reeves and is like, I need your help. I want to build an alliance. Um, I need you to do this, this, and this, and everything. But as he's talking to him, he's also talking to Angela Abar in 2019. And she asks, she's like, he, like Dr. Manhattan tells Angela, I'm talking to your grandfather right now. And she goes, Ask him, does he know, like, how do you know that Judd? Uh, Judd Crawford was part of Cyclops. How how did how did he know that he had a clans clansman suit in the closet? And then the grandfather's like, "Who's Judge Crawford?" And then that like starts <laughs> the events of the TV show. And she knew. Yeah, she knew it right there. She was like, "Oh fuck! Don't tell me I'm the one uh, yeah. who started it." Yeah, and then it, they even like even Doctor Manhattan was like, "He's created a paradox." Yeah, that's funny because you paused it after she asked him that. Yeah, and then and then you see him asking her grandfather. Yeah, and then you stop. You yeah. you paused it because you're like, "What the fuck is this writing? It's so good, right?" Yeah, and you're like, "He's essentially created a paradox." Yeah, and then we turn him back on, and she's like, "Oh fuck, I started this," and he's like, "Oh, you created a paradox." <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah. Yeah, got it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, the Seventh Cavalry comes in. There's, like, this big gunfight between Angela Abar and the Seventh Cavalry. Even though Dr. Manhattan is just, like, it's pointless. This was gonna happen. Like, this is supposed to happen. Yeah, you you can't... There's nothing you can do to fix this. Yeah, and Dr. Man comes in, blasts a few members of the Seventh Cavalry, and then... And she's like, oh, we won. Yeah. Like, see, we're wrong. We won. Mm. He's like, no, we didn't win. Yeah, and the Seven Cavalry had this device where they're going to force him to teleport to a, a specific location, and then that's when they're going to destroy him. Mm-hmm. And he teleported, and then that's like, that's the end of the show. Yep. And, it, oh my God. It was, they didn't even have like the next time episode. I was, I was, they didn't even have a next time preview. There was like credit, there was a after credit scene of Ozymandias. In prison, and he's he's supposedly gonna get out, uh-huh. and then like that was the end. Like we don't even know what the fuck's gonna happen next. Yeah, which I can't wait to see. <laughs> um, so I have a theory of how how About, it's gonna end. Uh, a god walks into a bar. All right, <laughs> let's get ready. Whew. All right, so the title is a god walks into a bar. A B A R, Angela A bar. Okay, in the show, Dr. Manhattan reveals that he can give his powers to somebody, but he would never give it to him without their consent. And he even toys with the idea that he can put his powers into a organic creation. He even pulls out like an egg. apple or... Yeah, and he pulls out, an, he literally pulls out an egg and he's like, my power's in there, like kind of like fucking with it, right? Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Manhattan in the comics has been considered a god. Even the show is considered a god. But he was also considered... The first Superman. There is a 1970s black exploitation film called Abar, the first black Superman. <laughs> Angela Abar will become the first black Superman. So I think, well, Superwoman, whatever, but just to kind of give you an idea. I think Angela Abar will be, somehow, something will happen where 
Dr. Manhattan will give her his powers. Mm-hmm. She's the most qualified person to do it because she knows the difference between right and wrong and justice and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, another reason why I think that's going to happen is because there's a scene where Dr. Manhattan is walking on water. Uh, she, they're in the pool. They're going in the background of the pool. He's walking on water in the pool. And he's just like, watch me do this. This is important. She's yeah. like, okay, I see you walking on the fucking water. Yeah. I've seen it. Now what? I think he, and he says it's important. I think he says that because when you inherit my powers, this is how you know you have become a god. Because you would literally walk on fucking water. Yeah. So that's how I think that's, that's how I think that, that's going to that's gonna be the whole ending for that. It, it, it kind of seems, it kind of makes sense that it would be her. Yeah. I mean, plus, like, David Lindelof, he's known for, like, leaving, like, these certain clues, mm-hmm. like, throughout. Like, even, like, the eggs. There's, like, a lot of egg uh, egg imagery in the show. And there's always, like, a reason for that. Like, he even, like, I think the whole egg thing, actually, I think they've already explained it. Because the whole thing is, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh-huh. It creates the paradox. They came at the same time. Yeah. So that maybe that's all the egg. And he like kind of realized that when he was talking to her. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, they came at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen at the next uh, episode, but that's, I think that's how it's going to, that's how the, that's going to be the big reveal at the end of the season. Do you have something to say about the music? Uh, oh, yeah, the music. There wasn't enough about, uh, enough Trent Reznor in it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about it last episode, but man, that, that soundtrack is so fucking good. Volume 2 got released like a week ago. The Watchmen soundtrack by, uh, Trent Reznor and Anarchist Ross. That soundtrack's so good, but if you guys have listened to last week's episode, you've noticed that, um, there is a song, it's a David Bowie song, Life on Mars. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's a piano version of Life on Mars, but it's so, it's so damn It amazing. is good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they played a lot of, uh, what was that music called? I keep forgetting. For the, for this episode. The, the Waltz? Yeah. Oh, there it goes. Right there. Uh-huh. The, the, the Blue Debut Waltz. No. The Blue Danube. Oh, Danube Waltz. What's his name? Johan Strauss? Johan you, you say you better. Look, we had this conversation go, before okay, the podcast. Go, go. go. What's the name? Johann Strauss II. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They played that. <laughs> they played that out through uh, throughout this episode. It was really good. It was I. I like whenever there was either like a Manhattan reveal, Doctor Manhattan reveal, or he would kind of show up. That music would start playing. Yeah. So I thought it was really good. And then, and then the whole reason I think is because of when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And there was, I think that music was playing then, oh, too. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and he even transported that house, that big mansion he was in yeah, as a Europa, child, yeah. to Europa because it had importance to his childhood. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody was like, hey, what happened to that giant manor that was out or here? Or they're like, you know, it's Dr. Manhattan, whatever. Yeah. I mean, Maybe there, he bought it and stole it. There, there still are a few questions. <laughs> like, we still don't know who Lube Man is. It, <laughs> might, it might be Petey. It's like... It's. It seems like there's a big clue. There are clues that is Petey. Um, I'm still curious about his their kids though, like the son. He that guy was too big to be his son though. What do you mean? Oh, are you just saying in general? No, no. The, that I mean, the, definitely Luke Man kids. is not Petey. I no, mean, no, no. not the little kid. No, no, no. I was just curious about that kid because 
I don't know. Something's about him. It seems kind of off. He seems like he knows a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We don't know who Loop Man is. Um, what happened to... What's his name? Looking Glass? Yeah. Want to see what happens to... What Wade Tillman. What happened to Wade? And... Um, shit. I think that's about it. So. And, of course, we're... Oh! What the fuck? What is the Millennium Clock? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, they still haven't. They still have not revealed that. <laughs> I hope they do. Well, they they got it. They got to reveal it. Yeah, they got to reveal it. to our geriatric cinematic uh, review of Bonnie and Clyde. Their paths crossed like two hot wires. They roared off on what might easily have been a wild romantic lark. But almost before they knew it, with a giggle still in their ears, they had bloodied up four states. It was made in 1967. I know there are multiple versions. Mm. Um, but we chose this one. Uh, I think it's probably the most well-known one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, wasn't there like a recent one? Uh, like yeah, with recent? Emil Hirsch. And I forgot the actress's name. It came out maybe about... Three years ago or something. Another like was like a made-for-TV one that came out. Also, I think that's the one that was on History Channel. Was that it? I, I think, think it was on was History it. Channel. Yeah, it was like a mini-series. Yeah. Um, the synopsis is: a bored waitress, Bonnie Parker, falls in love with an ex-con named Clyde Barrow, and together they start a violent crime spree through the country, stealing cars and robbing banks. It is directed by Arthur Penn. Um, he is best known for The Chase and The Missouri Breaks, uh, written by David Newman, who did Superman 1, 2, and 3, Moonwalker, um, Smooth Criminal segment. Yeah, the yeah, Smooth Criminal. Criminal? Cr- cr- yeah, Criminal. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, I fucked up that line. Michael Jackson's rolling his graves right now. Graves, my God. <laughs> rolling in his grave. Robert Benton, who did Superman 1, Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, it stars Warren Beatty, uh, Faye Dunaway, something, will it be? <laughs> uh, Michael J. Pollard, Gene Hackman, Estelle Parsons, Denver Pyle, Dub Taylor, Evans Evans, and Gene Wilder. Yeah, I've just, I was really surprised to see Gene Wilder in here. Me too. I was, I was like, wow. like, what the fuck? He really always looks Wonka. out of place. Like, he does. He always looks like he did not sleep at all. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, we did this movie for obvious reasons, you know, somewhat of relations to Queen and Slim. We chose it before we watched Clean, Clean. Queen and Slim. Mr. Clean and Slim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and I, I just, I don't know if I said it already, but I just think that comparing Queen and Slim mm-hmm. to Bonnie and Clyde is actually pretty disrespectful. To uh, Queen and Slim or Bonnie and Clyde? To Queen and Slim. Okay. Um, but because people are comparing it that way, mm. it, it just seemed like a, an obvious choice. Yeah. I mean, plus, like, on a surface level, you kind of got a feel of it, of a Bonnie and Clyde story, because it's two lovers running from the law. But when you watch Queen and Slim, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, Bonnie and Clyde is about the relationship between these two people who are in love, but it kind of gets drowned out with a lot of the senseless violence. Yeah. And, like, the madness that they like, were feeding off of each other. Exactly. Um, Faye Dunaway was gorgeous. Oh, my God. Oh my I, gorgeous. I'm, I'm only really familiar with... I've seen some of Faye Dunaway's... Uh, recent fairly recent work maybe like her 90s stuff and 80s stuff but nothing like of her 60s and 70s era and holy shit that woman's beautiful i was just like wow i killed some people for you (laughs) (laughs) um i have to look up something right now tappity tap tap tappity tap tap i was trying to think of who warren Beatty Beatty? warren Beatty, yeah looks a little bit like to me okay and i think think he might look like a guy who plays in man in the high castle oh the the german guy the german lead guy i think so i think i know you're talking about yeah i can kind of see the similarities but not really too close i mean he kind of looks like a skeleton his eyes i think yeah um so yeah bonnie and clyde i remember watching it somewhat as a kid here and there it might be like on AMC or Turner Classic Movies, but this is like the first time like we sat down. Well, I sat down and watched the whole thing, and of course it's Kelsey's first time. Um, I can get the Hollywood appeal of it, but in hindsight, I'm just like, wow, this seems like... I mean, don't get me wrong. The director, I mean, uh, Arthur Penn is like a massive director. He's been... He directed from like the 50s all the way into like the early 2000s. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it kind of seemed like this was almost like a higher budget uh, student film. It looks, I don't know. That's, I'm still, as I say student film, that's so fucking offensive to like cinephiles. Um, Is this the movie that I sent me that comment about? What do you mean? About incels? I forgot which movie I made. Oh, that it is, yeah. About. You said it was like, it was kind of like incels. Oh, yeah. like the, the Warren like, Beatty's kind of like because he's looking for that girl to save him, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, not just that, but he can't get it up. Yeah, that was that really caught me off guard that he was impotent and shit. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I want this girl, and she needs to be awesome and needs to love me, mm-hmm. even though I can't fuck her. You know what? I would have to, in a way, I kind of feels like this is like. It kind of reminds me of like of a Joker and Harley Harley Quinn story. Kinda, yeah. Cause like they were very chaotic for each other, but they like creating this chaos. Um, and the like, and like the lives that like they destroyed in the for just like essentially just for fun. 
Like, I think, like, from my understanding, like, the whole Bonnie and Clyde story was, like, to kind of, like, fight against the system and these banks that were, like, taking over these houses. Mm-hmm. You know, which they were kind of, they kind of touched upon a little bit at the beginning of the movie where they stayed in that house and they met that farmer who lost his house at the banks and everything. Right. But, like, it seemed like that message was just getting thrown out the window when it was just like, we're just going to rob banks now. It was. And speaking of that, mm-hmm. that actually didn't happen. What, what didn't happen? They they were not known for giving people money. Oh really? Okay. Um, so they try to like give them like somewhat of a hero's kind of story in the film. They did. Um, it was bank robber Pretty Boy Floyd who used to do that. Oh yeah, I remember. Now that I remember doing that. Um, oh, I, I remember doing it. That, I remember <laughs> reading that. Boy, yeah, you're Pretty Boy Floyd. I'm yeah. Pretty Boy Floyd. <laughs> um, and also Michael J. Pollard. Mm-hmm. Um, who plays C.W. Moss. Okay. So remember that scene where he parallel parks the car? And yeah, He's yeah. like, why'd you do that? Yeah. You know, whatever. That didn't happen. So you're saying they took... I, I, so I'm guessing we're going on a trend that like they took a lot of liberties with the story. They took it from other bank robbers. Oh, So this happened okay. where John Dillinger and William Shaw... Um, yeah, other famous bank robbers. Yeah. yeah, they they were robbing a bank, and the driver was Paul Lefty Parker. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like they definitely they were just taking stories from everywhere, and mm, so it's not okay. even their story. Okay, um, what did what did you think? Of, I know this is like really your first Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway film, but what did you think from from their performances? Their performances. Mm, I liked them. Okay. I thought they were almost stage play-ish. Yeah, I can get a sense of that. Yeah. Like it wasn't realistic, but it was entertaining. Mm. And it was, you know, it was supposed to be entertaining and dramatic. It wasn't supposed to be realistic. So, um, I think they hit the mark really well. Like they they did a great job. Yeah, I got a sense that like there's a, I mean, there's a script. Um. There's a script for the movie, but I feel like they were kind of improvising some of the stuff, mm-hmm. some of the dialogue, especially like some of the dialogue between uh, Warren Beatty and Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. who Gene Hackman plays uh, uh, Clyde's older brother. So I got a sense that like there was a little bit of like going back and forth of like, let's just improv this kind of stuff. Let's see what this is. Um, one, th- one person that was really an- annoying was uh estella parson who played blanche estelle mm-hmm. yeah Estelle. yeah thank you uh who was uh gene hackman's wife and uh like she was doing like this screaming and just like panicking all the time and i had read that like the real blanche who was who consolidated on the movie was consulted. like consulted yeah sorry yeah so she consulted on the movie she was just like they paid me to be like a bitch you where know, did you read that? Uh, where I, it was like some article I found about the, about the movie, but it was like, what the fuck? Let me read. Let me read the trivia thing to you. Oh, okay, all right, all right. In the special edition DVD documentary, Estelle Parsons says she was the only member of the cast who actually researched the history of the Barrow Gang. She also says that early in the filming, she wanted to meet the real Blanche Barrow, but Warren Beatty, uh-huh. in his capacity as a producer, was against the idea. Finally, after a week, Warren relented and set up a meeting with Blanche. But at that point, 
Parsons lost interest and never met Blanche. In fact, Warren Beatty brought the script to Blanche for her to read for her approval before she would give permission to use her name. She agreed the script was factual and approved it. While there, he played her piano and sang for her. Swooing. Swooing ladies. She was very fond of Warren, even though the director completely changed the script to make her look, as in her own words, a screaming horse's ass. That is fucked up. She took her third husband, Eddie, to see the movie with her for the first time and nearly died of embarrassment. That is fucked up. Totally. And that wasn't even like, that wasn't even necessary. They didn't have to paint her like that. No, they didn't. That's fucked up. They they apparently just wanted they I read that they wanted Bonnie Parker to look cooler, so they wanted her to be Oh no. So that's why that was that way. That's so messed up. But Whatever. she was just annoying. It was it didn't really work in their favor. Yeah. Because you chose the right actress. She was good enough on her own. Yeah. To, she was already really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually kinda wanna see um I kind of want to read up on Bonnie and Clyde now to kind of get the whole story. Or, you know, it's the best as I can understand it. They also kind of fucked up because Clyde was known for his shooting capabilities. Yeah, it seemed like he was missing a lot. Not just that, but there's that one scene where she says, you're good when he shoots. And he's like, no, I'm the best. <laughs> and that's okay. like all you get from that but he actually was so good and part of the reason why the cops shot at them the way they did mm. was because they didn't want to die because he's really good at shooting oh okay yeah i never got a sense i never got a sense that he was a great shot it seemed it seemed like you know i mean other than that line he, you know he said he's a great shot but it seemed like they were just like just spraying bullets left and right trying to take people's out uh take as much people out as they can i think that was just for entertainment <sighs> that wasn't really necessary i mean, uh, but, yeah, back, I I mean but this is it's that time it's close to the 70s they gotta make it interesting do you know who jack l warner is jack l warner no the name's escaping me okay um apparently he was important because um i guess they had a screening for the guy mm-hmm and it went very badly for Warren Beatty and Arthur Penn. And Warner got up three times to pee. Oof. And Warner initially dumped the film into drive-in and second-run theaters and apparently went to his grave still hating the film. Really? Yeah. So I was hoping you knew who he was so I could be like, oh, that's really fucked up. Because if they had a special screening for the guy, he had to be important. He's the executive. Really? Oh, Jack Leonard Warner was a Canadian-American film executive who was the president and driving force behind Warner Brothers Studio. Oh, yeah. Yep. Damn. Well, that brings me to this point. Warner Brothers had so little faith in the film that in an unprecedented move, they offered first-time producer Warren Beatty 40% of the gross instead of a minimal fee. The movie wow. went on to gross over $50 million. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I know it's considered like a cinema classic. Uh, you know, I used to, like I said, I used to see a lot on, on AMC and like Turner Classic Channel and stuff like that. It is considered a classic. Um, I, I can see why it's considered a classic because like a lot of people, I mean, a lot of like old, uh, like people who love these classic movies and cinephiles, they can get... They can see, like, at the time, it was something really extreme, something really crazy, but it was, like, a love story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but even like now, when you kind of look at, if we watch it now, you kind of really see the seams. Like they, it seemed like there was like scenes that were like kind of cut out. Yeah. Or that it was. Oh like, yeah, because it would jump kind of weird. It had some weird editing issues. Yeah, like the, I remember watching the beginning of the movie. We're, we started the movie, we're watching it, and like it seemed like the relationship between Bonnie and Clyde like started immediately, like the love between each other, right? Yeah. And I remember looking at you. I remember looking at you thinking like, I feel like we're missing like fifteen minutes or something. Like we should be a little bit more following these two people and why they love each other. Yeah. You know. And no, because so, I looked at you and I was like. That was fast. <laughs> yeah, that's right? how that conversation started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, but like you know, I guess I guess they were like, well, we'll flesh out the relationship um, as we go, as we go along. But then you kind of throw in like the brother, which the brother was a part of the gang. Um, I was reading up on the brother as we're watching the movie, and I thought it was kind of fucked up what happened to him. Mm-hmm. That they had that gunfight, and the brother uh, Buck Barrow, he got shot in the head, and but it was still alive. And his wound, they can actually see inside his brain. They can actually see his brain, but he didn't die right away. Mm-hmm. And he was a couple of times. He was very, he was coherent, but he was just like really fucked up. And they have one. They had this one big shootout where Buck Barrow, like they had to leave him along with Blanche. And there's actually pictures of her, like screaming because she got shot. She got uh, like a glass had like shattered like shattered and hit her in the eye and her husband's like on the floor like just dying she's like trying to like get to him and he ended up dying like i think like three days later from like infection or some shit like that yeah so he had a tragic end um one thing i really liked it because it happens so sudden is the way how they go out um bonnie and clyde Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty cool how they did that shot and like they had like a a few seconds of really, really intense moment of like, holy shit, they're gonna like get uh, this is when they die. When they died, not knowing that they were given up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was cool because like they pull over and they think they're helping like their friend's dad, and the friend's dad is the one who like called the cops or was gonna like rat him or who ratted them out. He was caught in that crossfire. I'm surprised he didn't die. Well, because he remember he like dove underneath. Yeah, but there were so many bullets. Yeah, that's true. And, like, but see, like, they didn't, like, this is what I give. I'll give credit to the director for this. They didn't turn away from the, they didn't turn the camera away when they got blasted. Like, mm-hmm. you sh- you see them just getting riddled with bullets. Yeah. Um, I think I remember reading it was, like, 383 bullets or something like that that just was just connecting with them. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, from what I read, um, Bonnie had been shot and one of the bullets had severed his spine. Uh-huh. So he was like dead right there. Bonnie know. or uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Clyde. Clyde. Clyde got shot and boom, spine was out and everything. And um, Bonnie had like screamed her head off because she she knew she was like, holy shit, he's dead. But it was too late. She was just being hit left and right. Yeah. So um, yeah, like that that shootout happened. Like they had no chance. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Woo! And then, like the cops just like come up, look at the body. The end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <that's> yeah. It. <laughs> so, um, do you think it holds up? <sighs> do I think it holds up? Um, yes, I think it still does hold up. I like that picture. Like, hmm? What? <laughs> I'm like, whoa. I think it holds up because, for of its time, it was. Something that was pretty cool. 
Or it was shot really well of its time. Um, but that means it was good for its time, not well, does like, it hold up now. I mean, I mean, obviously nothing back then is going to hold up compared now because you know we, that's not true. We've watched some things that really. Held oh, up. that's true. Yeah, that's not true. Okay, mm, okay, I take that back. I think it still does hold up. Uh, I think it still does hold up. It is a piece of cinema that should be watched. Um, because it's informative. Because you get to actually, I feel like you get to kind of transport yourself of what Hollywood was like back then. How this violence was glorified. Because at, at no point did I ever feel like these people were like they they were able to say, "Oh, this is like a horrible story." They made it seem like it was like a fun cowboy story, yeah. but like from the bad guy's perspective. Yeah, that's how I was. That's how I think. That's why I think it still holds up today. I don't think it does. But it's not a hard watch. Okay. Um, it doesn't do a good job of being super coherent. I think they take a yeah, lot of... that is an issue. Like, steps aside from the story. Like, too many weird ways that they went about. Mm. Um, it's too violent. Um, too violent? What? <laughs> well, not too violent, like... Very violent in a good way is okay, but very violent and it's just really bad because it's old. Mm, okay. No. Um, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty kind of fix it a bit because yeah. they are good actors. Yeah, and the chemistry the chemistry between it was really good. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with you on what you said about it being a film that you should watch because of its cinematic importance. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it does kind of give you a look into what Hollywood was back then. Mm -hmm. Um, and how they like glorified the antiheroes or the villain, the villain, sorry. They did. Um, but they also, you can also see how far we've come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have Bonnie and Clyde lovers, super violent and you have Queen and Slim lovers not super violent but still a maybe a more poignant story not even maybe totally yeah more of a social commentary well they, they kind of then they kind of fit the same mold well they not do not because they. they didn't even have true love in bonnie and clyde yeah it seemed like a more of an obsession it was an obsession and she she did love him mm-hmm but it seemed like he couldn't really quite connect with her because he couldn't have sex with her I mean, he and then there was one time where he did, and he's like, "Oh, thank God, I could do it after all." Yeah, yeah, not like a not like a moment where it would be like, "Oh, we made love, it's real," blah blah. It was just like, "Oh, woof, did it." Yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go rob some banks. Yeah, <laughs> we're out of money. Um, yeah, I like I said, I I would say I did enjoy it. I probably would check it out again, just just to give it more of a study. And just kind of see, I guess, really try to see what was the message they were trying to say. You know, I mean, other than like what we thought what the message might have been, but kind of, kind of fell to the wayside. I want to see maybe if the writer, or director had what what was his idea? What we, he was, what kind of message he was trying to convey? After all, what do you think the message was? I don't know. Die young. <laughs> Fall in love, die young. (laughs) I think it was um, 
you know, you only live once. Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> this was YOLO before YOLO was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, everything is fun. Like, just fucking do whatever the fuck you want. Mm, YOLO. Yeah. So stupid. Leave your husband and go rob banks with this guy who can't fuck you. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. And then die in a hell of bullets. YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Next week. We're doing Next The Irishman mm-hmm. and Goodfellas. Yep, we are going to do Netflix's Irishman. Um, we know Jumanji's coming out next week. And we the- considered doing it, but Mark has never seen the original Jumanji. And he definitely didn't want to because he's a chicken shit. I, I, I don't want to. I just... And he's and don't not get me wrong. Sit in the new Jumanji. Don't get me wrong. I love Robin Williams. I just don't care for Jumanji. I hated that movie. Oh shit! You need more hate than me. I hated it when I was a kid. It was depressing. <laughs> okay. For me, it was depressing because I'm like, you're lost in a board game. You're never gonna get out. I want to kill myself now. Well, he got out. Can I get- didn't. But by the time they got out. Mm-hmm. I was already wanting to kill myself. Jesus Christ. Like, I had such a fear of, like, being lost as a kid that mm-hmm. it was, like, my worst fear come to life. Mm. So instead of that, we're going to watch gangsters murdering people instead. Yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do uh, Morris Scorsese's next latest film, The Irishman. We're going to see if that is cinema. <laughs> uh, three and a half hours of cinema. And with that, we're going to watch... Goodfellas. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to show you this film. Yeah. I've seen this film a thousand times growing up. This is like, Goodfellas is one of those movies that like, before the internet, you would just quote those lines in school. Mm-hmm. It's a great fucking film. Ever since I was young, I always want to be a gangster. <laughs> oh, it's so classic. Oh, so great. You know what? Holy shit. It'll be our third Scorsese film. Because yeah. we did Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and now we're doing Goodfellas. Yeah. So, yeah, that's we're going to do uh, those two movies. But they will never be number one. Probably. You know why? Why? Because a Marvel movie was number one. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cinema. It we'll... was our first episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to do Irishman, Goodfellas. Um, we are doing uh, part two of our Star Wars uh, special. Yes. Uh, should be released uh, by next week. I know I said we were going to do it. We were going to release it this coming week, but we had a bit of a snag. And um, Yeah, I had money stolen from me. Don't judge us, okay? I know, right? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you can expect that. That's when you can expect that next week where we will be talking about uh, Attack of the Clones. Oh, boy. Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. Kelsey's already rolling her eyes. You're like, oh boy, and I had a delayed reaction. You were talking about Empire Strikes Back, and then I roll my eyes, but it was really meant for Attack Attack of the Clones. Yeah, we already (laughs) already went through those three movies, and we got a lot to say. (laughs) So yeah, you can expect that. So yeah, um, you can expect The Irishman, then Goodfellas. Oh no, I'm sorry. You can expect the Star Wars special. That's going to be our next episode, and then Irishman and Goodfellas. And then after that, Star Wars.
Yeah. Anyway. That's about it. Yep. That's Anybody want to give a shout out to? Uh, Lee Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. From the Electric West. He recently updated his Facebook photo that I really love. The Santa hat and a green background. Oh, God, with his leather jacket. I didn't see the leather jacket. I just noticed the face in the hat. <laughs> oh, okay. The green background. You do, you're doing the hand gestures. Yeah. The hat. The hat. <laughs> the hat. <laughs> um, yeah, he does the... Uh, intro and outro. The intro and outro for... Our, I yeah. mean, obviously, when we choose to use it, he yes. made them. He does, good. he does great work. He, he does. does great work. Um, and uh, I think that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that's it. Okay. You got a bit of my do? No, you can do that. Oh. Uh, bye. <laughs> we love you. Thank you.